0: reading from the book of Exodus. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor when all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid For God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. The word of the
1: Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. At the beginning of each semester, within the first two days of class, my ninth and 10th graders at Episcopal High School Um, engage in this practice of of co-creating a classroom covenant together. And of course, they say things like, Be kind. Participate in class. Be respectful. To which I normally reply, Well, tell me about what that looks like. What does it look like to be respectful? They kind of have a hard time fleshing this out. Then they come up with things like, do the work you're asked to do. Turn things in on time. Don't talk over one another. Don't interrupt. Don't make others feel stupid. Listen to whoever is speaking. And then one brave soul usually asks that I have, um, give them grace and have understanding. Which I find especially indicative of, the pressure that many of them are feeling, and also the level of self-awareness and self-advocacy that they have that I'm not entirely sure I had at their age, honestly. The idea is that some agency is handed back to them in imagining what kind of environment they want to foster um, in the classroom in order to feel safe enough to learn and or just to simply enjoy the experience. As humans, we like to have control over things, to be in control over our daily lives, to have everything be tidy to where it can fit in a nice little box. But for kids, for students, they are largely at the mercy of the adults who care for them and the systems in which they operate in at school. This list that they come up with themselves provides some structure for them, some order that they believe contributes to a positive and pleasant atmosphere in the class together. I wonder what the Israelites thought when Moses came down from from the mountain and gave them these rules to live by. The text tells us that the fear of God was put in them. Nothing like a good old parental fear-mongering, right? But considering their recent experience between living under the harsh labor conditions of Egyptian slavery and Pharaoh's oppressive control and domination over them, I can't help but think, at least a small part of them may have thought Are you kidding me? Here we are again, being told what to do, what not to do. How can this be freedom? I wonder that because I too can sometimes get a little bristly around rules. I start asking questions like, what purpose does this rule serve? Whose power is this rule protecting? Who might this rule be doing a disservice to? And I think that those are all good and fair questions to ask of rules that are designed by humans. But what about the Ten Commandments? I grew up um, in the Evangelical Lutheran Church and um, Lutherans do a lot of things right. One of those being they are really great at Christian formation, at education and One of the areas that I think that we all kind of fall short in is that as kids, we learn about the Ten Commandments, but we don't talk about them a lot afterwards, right? We know that they're there. They're kind of drilled into us when we're young, but then we don't talk about them a lot afterwards. And so besides maybe seeing, like me, a wooden plaque at the end of your aunt's hallway, that has them all listed there and for some reason the one that says honor your mother and father always was like bold to me right but it really wasn't it just felt that way so what is the place of the 10 commandments in the life of a christian the psalmist today offers some perspective on this the psalmist says the law is described as perfect reviving the soul giving wisdom to the innocent, being just, and rejoicing the heart. It's clear and gives light to the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. The psalmist describes the law, these rules, in a positive light in an even joyful light. The psalmist says that they're enlivening, empowering, offering the experience of inner joy, enabling us to see a path forward, giving clarity, and then finally described as a gift, as an extravagancy. God's law is a gift that, when lived out, embodies the kingdom of God. When lived out, it makes manifest God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, just like we pray every Sunday. When lived out, it brings communities to life. But we don't always get it right. We tend to slip up and forget that in keeping them, there is that great reward of abundant life. Life that only God can give. So, back to my students then. By the time we get to the lesson of the Ten Commandments, we are usually just past the end of the first quarter, so kind of around this time in the school year. And most have now settled into their newfound comfort. With where they are and what group they've kind of fallen in with. And they begin to illustrate that they have long forgotten the class covenant that they created together. They begin to flex a little bit. This is about the time when phones brazenly are left out on the desks. I hear Snapchat notifications going off. And the latest social buzz within their peer groups is far more interesting than the Israelites wandering in the wilderness or the exegetical research that my sophomores should be doing. They begin to abandon their initial sense that their individual behaviors do, in fact, affect the entire class. A sense that was clearly reflected in the early design of their class covenant that they did together. They begin to forget that the covenant they made with me and with one another was designed to be a gift that allowed them to be among one another in true community, acting in ways that honor every body in the room in that small community that we have gathered in that classroom. This brings me back to the kids' last request in their classroom covenant, the one about grace and understanding We won't follow the law perfectly. Most of us will manage to get through life without um, doing any of the heinous things listed on the Ten Commandments. But truthfully, as a Christian body, as members of that Christian body, it is still difficult to adhere to this law. And yet, we're called to continue to strive to do just that. Jesus sums them up for us in this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment, and a second is like it. Love You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, what do we do with Jesus' commandments to love God and love our neighbor? And the hard reality that we're faced with when we fall short of meeting those commands. What do we do then? We follow the wise example of my students. We ask for grace, and even when we fail to ask for it, we're still offered it. Not because we deserve it, certainly, but because we need it. We need God's grace. We have life solely because of it and because of the perfect love that it is rooted in. God came to be with us in the human Jesus to swallow up all of our brokenness, all of the world's brokenness, all of the shortcomings, and to overcome them with God's perfect goodness, his perfect love, so that the whole world might be inhabited by God's presence, so that we might enjoy our lives together, our lives in Christ. This is why we continue to hold the commandments in such high regard. This is why we need to continue to teach these things. Not because they prohibit certain bad outcomes, although they do, but because when we try to live loving God and loving neighbor in this specific particular way When all our words, our actions, our choices are measured by these two commandments that Jesus leaves us with. There is where we find that great reward that the psalmist speaks of. There we find enjoyment. There true community is forged. There we find life. Amen.